Our guest today, Chris Kelso, shares the surprising truth about imposter syndrome in the C-suite. Join us for episode 217 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders accelerate themselves, along with their companies, to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. And you know, one of the most important and challenging aspects of being a successful CEO or C-suite leader in this rapidly changing world is inspiring confidence in others. This is particularly critical when you're leading your company in a new direction for game-changing growth. On one hand, you need to inspire confident in employees and other stakeholders who are critical to making the dream happen. On the other hand, you don't always know what you don't know. But that's only part of the story. That's right. Even highly competent, successful leaders can sometimes carry a secret burden. Imposter syndrome. That feeling of being a fraud, at risk of being found out, can happen to anybody. Sadly, many people, including top leaders, struggle with this anxiety, and they do it in isolation and silence. At its worst, it can be debilitating. But there are better ways to deal with imposter syndrome. It starts with understanding the truth about it. So today we're speaking with Chris Kelso, a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, professional certified coach, and the author of the book, Overcoming the Imposter, Silence Your Inner Critic and Lead with Confidence. Chris has founded multiple companies and has served on the boards of directors of several nonprofit organizations. He's worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs, business owners, and their leadership teams as a coach, facilitator, and mentor. He's also a contributing writer for Fast Company Magazine, Yahoo Finance, and the Nashville Business Journal. You can read more about Chris's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 217, and scrolling down to his bio. Chris, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you so much, Pam. I'm excited to be here. We're so glad you could join us. And before we get going on this whole topic of the imposter syndrome, tell us briefly, what was the major influence that led you to focus on the imposter syndrome? A lot of people don't think they're going to grow up and talk about the imposter syndrome. Yes, yes. Well, it's certainly not where I started out, but I am a, so I'm a two-time entrepreneur. Uh I founded and run two different companies. Uh, And and during the, that, first decade, especially, I personally experienced imposter syndrome often, though I didn't know what to call it. Uh, I hadn't heard of it, mm. wasn't familiar, and didn't know that other people dealt with that same feeling of maybe I'm not what everybody seems to think that I am. And 
boy, I'm just sort of figuring this out and making it up as I go. So, Chris, what did you think it was if you didn't know about imposter syndrome? How, how did it show up for you? Well, you know, it, it was this internal fear that sooner or later, someone or everyone is going to figure out that I didn't actually know what I was doing, that I was just making it up as I went, which in many ways I was, right? I'm, I'm mostly self-educated. I do not have a college degree. I started a business by going to a bookstore and buying a stack of books on anything and everything I thought I needed to know to run a company, marketing, sales, finance, legal. And I just read a bunch of books and formed a company and started consulting. And, and before I knew it, I had a whole team of people, most of which were older than me, more educated than me, more experienced than me. And so I was getting a lot done through a lot of very smart, successful people. And all the while feeling like I probably am the one who doesn't fit here. Hmm. And that company grew rather large too, didn't it? Yeah, it was a, it was a boutique consulting firm, but we were doing seven figures in revenue and had a, a pretty significant uh, footprint and impact in uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area where mm. we were based. So successful. And yet there you were feeling this feeling. Yeah. Feeling like I, at any moment, I was going to run into the obstacle I couldn't get over, or I was mm. going to hit the, the, the critical piece of knowledge, the key concept that I never learned uh-huh. that was going to be the downfall of my leadership. Mm. And uh, it sounds like you felt alone. Like, this is me, everybody else is great, did. and I'm a piece of garbage. Yeah, it's got to be just me. I, I often felt in entrepreneurial circles with other business owners, I felt like the the little kid on the football team that, you know, they hand the ball and they let him run and they pretend like they can't tackle him and they cheer when he scores a touchdown yeah. and everybody's just sort of being nice yeah. to the little guy. I thought, man, all these other business owners and entrepreneurs, they, they treat me like one of their own, but they've got to be just placating me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just always worried that, that I was the only one that didn't really fit in. Okay. So how did you end up deciding that it was something that you would research and write about? Well, there was a couple things that happened. First, when I learned about imposter syndrome for the first time, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. Uh. It was a, this freedom of knowing that, okay, this is a thing and other people experience it and psychologists have given a name to it and it's, and it's fairly common. And so I started to study it first for myself, but I pretty quickly began to talk about it with other people, some of my clients, other entrepreneurs I knew, and even started speaking from the stage uh, about imposter syndrome uh, just to to help other people that may be feeling and experiencing the same thing I was. And what the response that I got told me that it was a very widespread problem and that it wasn't being talked about enough. Uh, I remember the very first time I spoke at a conference and I gave a 15-minute talk on imposter syndrome and I successful entrepreneur, business owner came up to me afterwards and said, you changed my life today. Wow. The whole reason I was at this event was I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. Hmm. And that event, plus an article that I wrote that went totally viral, got over 50,000 views, which was far more than anything else I had ever written before. Wow. These signs started telling me that I had struck a nerve and that this was something that needed to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so it's it, what you're saying is it's hidden, though. So it there is. have to be a lot of myths around this thing you call yes. imposter syndrome or we call imposter syndrome. 
What's the number one? What's the biggest myth that you've uncovered? Especially with regard to the CEOs, C-suites, and corporate directors. Yeah, because they're already successful, right? Yes. I I think the biggest myth, uh, in particularly in large organizations and C-suites, is that if people aren't talking about it, then it's not a problem. Oh. If no one has asked me about imposter syndrome, nobody has said they feel like a fraud, then it just must not be going on here. We don't we don't have that as an issue. And my response to you is, first of all, studies show that it's 70 to 80 percent of the population feels this way at wow. times. And secondly, that it does create isolation. It makes you feel very alone. So people aren't willing to open up and talk about it, because when you think you're the only one, you're afraid of that exposure. You're mm-hmm. afraid that mentioning it is going to prove yourself right, that you are a fraud. So you you try to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, so the personal. environments where no one is talking about it mm-hmm. are probably where they're experiencing it the most and where it's creating the most uh, friction and where it's holding people back the most. Now, Chris, you say it's so ubiquitous. It's all over the place. It's not helpful. It can be very self-destructive. If it's so destructive, why do people do it? There has to be a reason. There has to be a functional reason why this thing happens. Yeah, it's a a combination. I mean, first of all, it's all in our heads. Uh It's, it's It's a psychological trap. It's a pattern of thinking that we fall into where we doubt our own success. We, we believe in and even overvalue other people's success mm-hmm. and we doubt the reality of our own success. Like we can't believe the things that other people are saying about us. And, uh, and I, I think in some ways it's an attempt to be humble in other ways. It's, uh, it's sort of a protection uh. mechanism to, to, to protect yourself against, uh, you know, the risk of thinking too much of yourself. So uh-huh. you end up thinking much less of yourself. You sort of, the pendulum swings too far in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. It's kind uh, of like spurs off- too. You know, if I beat myself up, I'm going to do better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 so it's never being satisfied. Hmm. Um, speaking of beating yourself up, there is also a correlation, a high correlation with perfectionism uh-huh. and imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. And so people that have an unhealthy level, not just high standards, but an unhealthy level of perfectionism where they cannot be satisfied by anything but 100% perfect, uh, they tend to also have uh, a, a battle with imposter syndrome. Mm. Huh. So, uh, so what would you say is really the surprising truth then about imposter syndrome at the top? I, I think one of the most surprising truths that I've uncovered is that it tends to be more prevalent among high achievers. And that's counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. At, at first blush, you might think, and I've had people say to me, well, entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders, they don't experience self-doubt. They're very confident. They're very bold. And you might think that it's more the people in the middle or even at the bottom. You know, the average everyday Joe is going to be the one that's insecure and feels like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reason that it's actually more prevalent among high achievers is that people who are driven and ambitious, people that are pushing themselves Mm -hmm. and getting outside of their comfort zone are more likely to get themselves into a position where they feel in over their heads Uh or they're doing something new. They're trying something for the first time. They're, they're stretching and growing as they progress in their career. And your average everyday Joe just 
they don't have anything to feel like a fraud about because they're not trying to aspire to anything. They're content to just coast through life. So those people don't experience this imposter syndrome, but really driven, ambitious people actually experience it at a much higher rate. So innovators, people who are pushing the limits. Yes. Yes. So this is a good place for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Chris Kelso, author of Overcoming the Imposter, on some of the hidden truths about imposter syndrome in the C-suite. Stay with us. This is Growth Innovators Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. We're excited that Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper has been selected as a top podcast in the business, marketing, and tech category of the 2022 PopCon Podcast Awards. And just recently, we've also been named one of the top 100 podcasts from Thinkers 360 Thought Leaders. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, spread the good word. Just open Growth Igniters Radio on whatever podcast app you use and write a review. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Chris Kelso, author of the book Overcoming the Imposter, on some of the hidden truths about imposter syndrome in the C-suite. Chris, tell us how people can find out more about you, about your keynote, about your book, all these good things that you have going on. Yeah, thank you, Pam. I am easy to find online if you remember that my name starts with a K, K-R-I-S, Kelso, K-E-L-S-O. And you can find me at chriskelso.com or at overcomingtheimposter.com, which is the website specifically about the book. Okay. And you can find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 217, and scrolling down to resources. So when we left off in the first segment, uh, you shared with us that uh, imposter syndrome is something that very much occurs at the top and the most highly driven people uh, can actually fall victim to it without even realizing it, which is kind of a mind blower to to have that be happening. Uh, One of the things that I noticed when I read the book, and I highly recommend this book, Chris, you've just written it in such a conversational way. It was just... Amazing. Oh, thank you. But I think one of the things that you did speak about was that it shows up for people in many different ways, which I think you called it customized. Yes. And uh, yeah, this yeah, this feeling of imposter syndrome. It's a very common experience, but it's also very unique for each person. And what I mean by that is, your insecurity may be very different than my insecurity. You may feel inadequate or feel like you're maybe a bit of a fraud for one reason that is very different than the reason that I have an insecurity. So part of my story, and I share this uh, in the book very openly, is that I never went to college and I don't have a college degree. And I started my business, as I said earlier, about just buying a stack of books and reading a bunch of of stuff. And and so I always had this fear that one day uh, 
there would be some key concept that was taught on the very first day of business school and everybody in the room knew it except for me. And that when that conversation came up and I couldn't contribute, I couldn't uh, articulate it, that that would be my undoing. And, and yet I've talked to people who have very advanced degrees, even multiple you know, degrees and master's degrees from different schools and programs. And they have imposter syndrome because for a very different reason, they think that, that their degree has actually gotten them in the door to somewhere that they're not up to the task, uh. that, their, that their degree has actually made the way, paved the way for them to get in a situation that they're not truly qualified to handle. And so it's the opposite reason, but it's the same feeling of, oh man, I may not be up to this and I may be in over my head and I'm at risk of being exposed. Mm-hmm. So the imposter can take our strengths. I mean, for you, you invented yes. something from scratch, which is amazing. Take our strengths and turn them against us. Absolutely. It does. It takes those unique things about us and it weaponizes them against us. It'll convince us that the things that make us different are fatal flaws, not strengths to be celebrated. And of course, they are strengths to be celebrated. Everybody's got a unique story and a unique path to their career success that that gives them skills and experiences and abilities that other people don't have. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things you talk about in your book is different traps. We don't have time to go to all of them. But one of them that I've seen happen among some of the CEOs that I've worked with has been the comparison trap. Yes. Talk to me about that. Talk to us about that. As, As ambitious and driven people, we tend to compare ourselves, to benchmark ourselves against others, against our peers, against people we don't know, against uh other successful people in our field or industry. And while I'm all for learning from others and drawing from the experience of others, there's a, there's a key flaw in comparing ourselves directly to other people. And that is that we only see the parts of their story they want us to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anytime you compare yourself to someone else, you're comparing the reality of your life to a polished and filtered version of their life. You're comparing, you know, your day to day with their highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And you're, I I, I sometimes say you're comparing the way you look getting out of bed to the way they look walking out their front door. Uh, (laughs) It's it's not the same. And so anytime we make that comparison or we, we benchmark ourselves against someone else, for instance, they may have made sacrifices in pursuit of their success that you're not willing to make. They may have a different set of values than you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, They may have compromised in ways that, while maybe not wrong for them, are things you don't want to do or give up. And so by holding yourself up against someone else without having all those facts, it's a really unfair comparison. and It will make you feel like you can never measure up Mm -hmm. to, to where they're at or what they're doing while holding on to your values and priorities and the things that are important to you. The challenge is that, of course, at the top, it is a very uh, comparison-focused kind of existence. It is. You know, we have to make sure that we're doing this better than our competitors. Activist investors come in and say, you know, you're not doing it like they're doing it. How do you deal with that when you're getting that kind of pressure? 
You know, the, the external pressure is tough because when other people are comparing you that way, they're doing the same thing. They're falling into the same flaw of they're comparing two stories that they don't know fully. And so personally, the way I combat that for myself is I've decided there's only one person that I need to compare myself to. And that is me yesterday. Yeah. If I am better than I was yesterday, if I'm improving, if I benchmark myself against my own past and I'm getting better in the areas that are important to me, then I am successful, period, full stop. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't have to worry about how I rank against someone else. Now, that's difficult to do with external parties, with other people. To tell them, well, I'm better than I was yesterday. So, <laughs> Doesn't work. you know, you, you should just be satisfied with that. Right. So we we have to have measures and we have to have uh, goals and progress and and metrics we're trying to hit. Yeah. But just comparing our stories and our history and our progress against another person's, it's never a realistic and it's never a high fidelity comparison. So we have to we have to get away from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're really talking about best practices in some ways. Well, why can't you do it like they do yeah. it? Why don't they do it like that? And one of the things that we've often said is your company is very different. You as a leader, your team, your stakeholders. At this time. At this time, you are very yes. different. We are very different. So we can't make it an even comparison. Yes? That's right. Yeah. And again, you don't know, even with a company, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes yeah. in that company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those, those amazing profits may be manufactured in some way. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Those, you know, those customer success stories may be, may have been paid for rather than actually being organic and genuine. I mean, yeah. there's just so many ways that those comparisons can be faulty that again, we learn from each other. We, we should observe and we should learn from and we should strive to be the best in our field. But when you do a direct comparison and try to benchmark yourself against your peers, you almost always are getting a false benchmark, a false comparison. Yeah. So it, it really is just a trap. Right. now, And there are a number of other traps you describe in your book. Wish we could go into all of them, but we can't. The question now comes down to, well, okay, what do we do about it? How do we start to overcome this powerful thing that's trying to influence us and keep us safe in a way that makes us very vulnerable, very at risk. And you talk about accepting our own vulnerability and being able to express it. And that is a way to overcome the imposter. Tell, See, we read your book. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Tell You're it, on it. Tell us some more about that. Vulnerability is absolutely critical to overcoming imposter syndrome, um, primarily because the, the voice of the imposter, that inner critic in your mind is trying to make you afraid to be vulnerable. Uh -huh. It's, it's building a fear of vulnerability. If I expose myself, if I'm open and honest, if I admit any flaws or weaknesses, then that's going to be my undoing. And so at the, at the root imposter syndrome is the fear of vulnerability, uh -huh. but vulnerability is actually the antidote. Okay, that's it a is, paradox. It is the thing that you fear, and it is also the thing that makes that fear go away. Because when you open up and you get real and honest, 
you no longer fear exposure because you've already, you've essentially done it. It's like, you know, if you're afraid of swimming, you need to jump in the water and swim and get over that fear. Now that's, that sounds really easily said and (laughs) difficult to do, but it's not just about exposing all your weaknesses and, 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 and being found out and then dealing with the consequences. Vulnerability actually has a lot of power to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a difference between vulnerability and oversharing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not advocating oversharing or sharing information that has no, you know, doesn't fit in the context or is inappropriate in the moment. Those kind of things. What I'm talking about is when we're wearing masks, when we're protecting ourselves, when we're managing our image, Uh which takes a lot of effort, we're actually diverting our resources, our our brain cycles, our energy, our emotional uh, energy and attention from being productive, from making progress, from building the team, from growing the organization, we're diverting our energy to protecting our reputation uh. and managing our image. And so by being vulnerable, you you take those masks off and you also let go of all the work involved with maintaining those masks. But But here's the key. Here's the real reason why being vulnerable is so powerful. Because people respect leaders who are authentic and vulnerable far more than they do leaders who are pretending to be perfect. Because uh-huh. let's be honest, let's be honest, when you're pretending you have all the answers, when you're pretending you know everything and that you have no fears, no worries, no flaws, people see through that. No, nobody really buys that completely. And so you actually start to lose respect. You erode people's respect when you put the mask on and you pretend like you've got it all together, oh. but you gain respect when you open up and acknowledge what many people may already see and know. And that's, I don't have all the answers. I'm learning as I go here. I'm figuring some things I know really well and other things I'm learning on the fly. And we're all on a journey and we can help each other learn and grow together if we're willing to acknowledge and admit that. Okay. So one of the things I'm hearing, Chris, is that if people can sense that someone is hiding something, or you know they're so yeah. perfect, okay, what aren't they telling me? And if they aren't telling me about that, what else aren't they telling me? And that erodes trust. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a great point. And people will build a narrative in their mind to fill the gaps that they don't see that aren't evident. Yeah. And so when you pretend you have no flaws. People know you have flaws, they're there, so they will start to make them up. So you may actually get people assuming you have worse flaws than you do because you won't acknowledge the ones you have because they're going to fill in those gaps with, well, oh, his problem must be this, or maybe this is why Uh, she's so guarded, or this, you know, they're going to, they're going to fill in that narrative with their imagination and it could be a lot worse than the truth. You, you raise a really good point. And I think that it resonates with a lot of the issues that people try to hide themselves, don't feel comfortable. Now, you talk about needing community to fight the imposter. Let's talk more about that. Yeah. when One of the things that that voice in your head will do is isolate you. Yeah. It'll convince you that, A, you're the only one feeling that way. And so you can't talk to anybody about it. B, if anyone finds out you have a fear or an insecurity, then that is the that exposure that you fear. So you have to withdraw from people. You have to be very guarded. You have to protect yourself. 
And so it, it pushes you into this isolation that honestly will warp your sense of reality. You sort of get inside your own head too much and you start to build those narratives uh, with the, the information you don't have because you're, you're, you're withdrawn, you're isolated. But when you build genuine relationships with people, which require you to be vulnerable and open up, when you build relationships with people, that is where you get a reality reset. You get a new perspective. Um, and so practical example, when I am guarding myself against an insecurity, like I don't have a college degree or, or whatever it may be, um, I'm trying to keep people from getting to know me so that they don't figure that out. Uh-huh. But when I just say it, I say, this is, this is my weakness. This is my fear. This is what I know. And this is what I don't know. Other people will lean into that and say, well, oh, you know what? I, I don't have that fear, but I have this other fear. Uh-huh. Or they'll say, you know, I've known several people that, that didn't have a college degree and they were very successful. And I've learned to respect people's, uh, you know, achievements and effort rather than just their education. And, and so when I open up about that, I get a reset on my perspective because I learned that other people don't care about it near as much as I worried uh, that they did. Mm-hmm. And that's what a healthy community will do for you. Uh, they'll reset your perspective. They'll help you realize that the, the challenges you face, the, the fears that you have, the obstacles that you need to overcome are the same obstacles that many people have overcome before you. And many are trying to overcome alongside you today and that you can get help and you can overcome those things. Mm -hmm. Of course, in your book, you go into a lot of the different types of communities that exist. What are a couple of different types of communities that people at the top can join? There there are three key relationships that I think you should have that form your community. One is a mentor guide of some kind, whether that's a coach, a consultant, a mentor advisor, one or more people that are speaking into your life that are helping you grow. They're pushing you to grow. The second is peers. You need to be connected to people that are in a similar position as you and 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 working on some of the same things you're working on. And that's especially difficult for CEOs because in their company, they are the only one. You don't, you don't see a company with 12 CEOs the way they might have 12 division presidents or a bunch of managers in different areas that can, that can share the burden and encourage one another and learn from each other. So CEOs have to be particularly intentional about getting outside their organization and finding other peers that they can learn from. The third type that I think is really important is mentees. I personally believe that everyone should be learning from someone and everyone should be teaching, guiding, helping someone. And it doesn't matter what stage of your career or how high or low you are in the organization, everyone can learn from somebody and everyone can help someone on their journey. And we should always be doing both. Mm -hmm. So having that mix of different perspectives is really critical. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Chris Calso, author of the book Overcoming the Imposter, about immediately useful ideas for beginning to overcome imposter syndrome at the top of leadership. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. 
We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered, if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world, why could it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of great leaders? The visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to embrace the leadership paradoxes that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, how growth igniters lead for tomorrow, starting today. So go to pamharperspeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership event. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Chris Kelso, author of the book, Overcoming the Imposter, on some of the hidden truths about imposter syndrome in the C-suite. Chris, remind us how people can find out more about your book, your keynote, and everything else that you're doing. Yeah, you can find me at chriskelso.com or overcomingtheimposter.com. And at either one of those websites, uh, you can f- get a free chapter, a sample chapter of the book. And unlike some authors who offer the first chapter that only sets up the problem and doesn't really help you with anything, I am giving away what is possibly the best chapter in the book. Uh, and it's chock full of some great insights and actionable things that you can take away and use to overcome imposter syndrome. So. I encourage your listeners to go check that out. That's fabulous. And you can also get links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 217, and scrolling down to resources. So we are at the part of our episode where we talk about immediately useful ideas. And in this case, it's for overcoming imposter syndrome at the top levels of leadership. So Chris, let's start out with an immediately useful idea for discovering whether you even have imposter syndrome. What's one? Yeah, I I think if you do a little bit of self-examination and look at the amount of effort you spend managing your image, and you can ask yourself a key question, which is, am I trying to live up to what I think others think of me even though I'm not sure that I'm actually there and I'm, and I'm putting on this facade to, to try to be their expectations. If that's what's going on and if people are giving you credit for things and you don't feel it's deserved, if people are paying you compliments and you can't accept them, hmm. that is a definite symptom of imposter syndrome. Okay. So this is just a beginning uh, place. And in your book, of course, you have a lot more clues for recognizing it. So what's an immediately useful idea building on that to create a supportive community to help you deal with that imposter? So I've mentioned the three types of community that I think um, that you need. And when you go out to 
build relationships with peers, when you go out to find groups of people that uh, that you want to get to know and you want to support you and to support them on your on your career journey. Um, I've learned that vulnerability is a really powerful tool in building that community. So I've already talked about why vulnerability is important, but here's how you can use it to actually test your community. Uh When you meet a new group, let's say you join an association, you're invited to come be a part of a a networking organization or, uh, you know, to, to, to meet some other people in your field, you can lead with vulnerability as a test to see how those people respond. Now, this involves some risk. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend it's not risky, uh-huh. okay? But what I found is that when I open up right away, when I lead with vulnerability, um, the response that I get tells me what kind of people that I'm dealing with. If I open up and say, hey, I'm you know, growing in my career, here's what I'm doing, here's what's going on, and here's an area where I'm struggling, or here's something I'm trying to learn that I don't yet have mastered. Mm-hmm. I will get one of two responses. Either people will start to get defensive and and concerned, and they will say, "Oh, well, uh, that, that's not my problem. I don't I don't know anything about that." And, you know, and I see the masks going on; <laughs> they're sort of go into protection mode. Yeah. And then I know that I'm with some people who can't handle vulnerability. Hmm. But more often, what happens is someone will say, I am so glad you said that because I'm struggling with that too. And I thought it was just me. And I would love to talk to you about that. Or someone will say, you know what? That's not my weakness, but here's what I'm struggling with. And if you'll help me with this, I'll help you with that. Uh And we can support one another in that way. And so I've just learned that by leading with vulnerability, I can quickly find out if this is a community that's going to help me or if this is a community that is not going to be very valuable to be a part of, because if there's no vulnerability, if vulnerability is not allowed, it's not going to be a healthy community. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the questions can even be something as, well, the way that we were, we came to uh, this episode is that we're part of the same community in terms of yeah. our keynotes. And yes. I saw your book cover in the background. And of course, mm-hmm. I got to know you and I said, well, is there imposter syndrome at the C-suite? What do you think? Tell me more. And you said, yes, yes there is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, I'd love to learn more. And yeah. some people would say, well, whoa, you know, how could you say that or whatever? And I think just the ability to ask questions and be ready yeah. to listen is yeah. very important. I think it's a great example, Pam, the way you and I met is in a speakers group where we rehearse and try out new material, where we critique one another. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you joined the group, one of the comments you made was just how open and, and free and, and, uh, and how available everyone was and how vulnerable the group was willing to be really quickly, even with you as a new member coming in, we just said, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's where our business is at. Here's the things we're working on. Uh And you can attest to how valuable that group was as opposed to perhaps a group where everybody was trying to pretend that they were on top of the heap and everything was going perfectly. Uh huh. And of course, as we keep learning new things and we keep moving to new levels, the group becomes even more valuable. So Chris, 
Here we are at the end of the episode, and we've spoken about all these different aspects of even beginning to overcome the imposter syndrome. Are there some final thoughts you can leave us with, with regard to the surprising truth about imposter syndrome in the C-suite? I think that it's really important that leaders recognize that imposter syndrome is absolutely having an effect on your organization. There's statistically, there's just no doubt that it's there, but if you're talking about it and you're vulnerable and people are open and discussing it, you're going to minimize its impact. And yet if you pretend it's not there and you try to sweep it under the rug or just assume that anybody who talks about self-doubt is weak and we want to weed those people out, you're actually going to feed that inner critic in people's mind because you're going to make them believe that any doubt disqualifies them. It's actually going to build on itself. The self-doubt becomes self-reinforcing if you don't address it and acknowledge it. And so I encourage leaders to pave the way for vulnerability to be the norm and to be accepted and encouraged in your organization by leading with vulnerability. Be vulnerable first so that you can communicate to your people that it's okay to admit a weakness. Chris, thanks for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, you're welcome, Pam. It's been so fun talking with both of you. I've really enjoyed this. Great, Chris. Thanks again. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links like the link to Chris's free chapter and all the other things for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com. Select episode 217. Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question. As successful as you are, could the imposter syndrome be holding you back in unexpected ways? What can you do to start developing the awareness and building the tools and resources it takes to overcome the imposter? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.